Welcome to Lessons for Life, where we seek to learn, love, and live the Word of God. Now, here is James Long Jr. Let's look at Psalm 1, and let's read this together. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's word. So, Father, as we open your word here, I pray that you would teach us. Teach us about the blessed life. Warn us about the wicked life. Teach us how we can be flourishing and fruitful in our lives. Help us to see your son as the only means of our blessing. Fill us with your spirit, who is the author of this scripture, and help us to bring glory and honor to your name. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so Psalm 1. Psalm 1 uh, brings up uh, two people, uh, two paths, and then two destinies. Uh, two people, two paths, and two destinies. Uh, so the two people uh, are pretty easy. It is uh, the blessed person and the cursed person or the wicked person. This psalm is intentionally placed at the beginning of the Psalter. And I believe it's intentionally placed at the beginning of the Psalter because it is speaking of meditating on God's word, knowing that there are only two people in this world Uh, We may look different externally. We may speak different in language. We may have different cultures, but we are, there are only two people in this world. Those that are blessed by God and those that are not under his blessing, those that are cursed. Psalm 1 talks about a God who knows you. Psalm 2 is another entrance in which we will do, Lord willing, next week, a a God who um, is reigning and ruling. Psalm 2 talks about the evangelistic. You need to kiss the sun. Psalm 1 talks about those who know God versus don't know God. And the outline is pretty simple, at least the way I outline it. Um, Psalm uh, verses 1 through 3 make up the blessed life, and verses 4 through 6 make up the cursed life. So let's look at verses uh, 1 through 3 and try to identify some of the elements of the blessed life. He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. He begins by pulling out three things that this person does not do. There's a a way that this person is separated from the world. And, And this is a key element for believers. We are living in the world, but we're not supposed to be living of this world. We live in the world. We will go to work tomorrow or go to school tomorrow in the world. But the reality is, is that our bodies are there, but our lives, our souls and our spirits are supposed to be connected to heaven and to Christ 
and to the Father that is there. So there are only two ways and two people. So he says, I want you to start by thinking about the person is separated from the world first by the fact that he walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So I spend a lot of my life counseling people. And when people walk into my office, what they're doing is they're looking for me to give them help in their mindset and their behaviors. Um, so what, what the writer here is saying is that first, the person who is a blessed person has separated himself from the world because he does not walk in the counsel of the world. He rejects secular thinking. He rejects worldly counsel. He has a mindset and a world, uh, a world view that is focused on God and not of this world. Far too many Christians find their counsel from the world. They will, they will go to books or they will look at the latest person who's teaching and they think that they're going to be able to find fulfillment from this world. You can't. But there's a second thing that this person does not do. He does not stand in the way in the path of sinners. So if, if the first one, the counsel, is the beliefs, this one seems to be the more behaviors, the activities uh, that this person do, the paths. He says, I do not stand in the path or in the way of sinners. He refuses worldly activities. He is not going to focus. He's going to go contrary to what the world says because what the world is attempting to get us to do is going to go contrary to God's law. This person is not going to be focusing on what the world's counsel or the world's lifestyle is. They are going to be focusing on gods. But then there's a third thing. Not only do they not walk in the, uh, walk in the counsel of the unworld or stand in the path of sinners, they do not sit in the seat of scoffers. They, if you notice, there seems to be a progression here. Uh, when we are walking along, if you even know it, you may be walking along with somebody and having a conversation with them, and then eventually you start to get really uh, intensified in that conversation, then you stop. And now you're talking to one another and you've stopped. But now it's like we've really gotten engaged, so now what do we want to do? We pull up a chair and sit down, and you could see the downward progression. I'm walking with sinners and getting their counsel. Now I am doing their activities by going in their ways, and now I'm sitting down and following their paths, and I'm, I'm actually bantering. So if the beliefs and the behaviors now become the banter of this world. You know, if you turn on a TV today, late night TV, you will hear cynics and critics that will rip apart things that we believe. Um, you turn on award shows today and they mock people of faith. Uh, I will often say to my people, you know, it's like who, who love watching TV programs, I want you to tell me the last time you saw a, a believer on a TV program, a popular TV program, viewed in a God-honoring way. Somebody that is not a nut, somebody that is not crazy, somebody that is not a lunatic, somebody that is like you, somebody that is stable and balanced and, and loving and caring. You just don't see that in the world because the critics and the banter of this world is looking to scoff and spit in God's face. And then what do we do is we take it in. And when we, as we watch these shows, we're meditating on it. So... Yeah, so, so the first thing I want you to know is that the blessed man is separated from this world. But, but there's a second thing I want you to know about this blessed man. This blessed man is satisfied. This blessed man, it starts by saying blessed. What does blessed mean? Happy. 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 Joyful. 
This blessed man is finding his or her rest in God. It's a general, genuine satisfaction. It is this, this happiness that is supernatural, not just a fleeting happiness. This is deeply rooted. It is a life of contentment. So this, this separated person is also a satisfied person. He, he is a person that is deeply in the inner part of their soul, just at peace. It doesn't mean that there's peace around them. In fact, there may be great struggles around them, but their feet, I often tell my clients, I want your feet to be firmly planted on truth. And as this person's feet are firmly planted on truth, what we find is that this person is deeply contented in their lives. It's like a flowing river in their lives. They are blessed. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to Lord, uh, to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which trans understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So this person is a separated person. This person is a satisfied person, but this person is also a saturated person. What are they saturated in? So if the three negatives are he does not walk, he does not stand, he does not sit, what's the positive that he does do? Verse 2. He delights, that's right, he delights in the law of the Lord. And on this law he meditates day and night. So, so there's this element where he is so saturated with the word of God. It is, it is totally different than the life of the wicked. In Ezekiel chapter 36, it talks about the fact that God is giving us a new heart. He's removed the heart of stone and given you a heart of flesh. And he says, I've caused you to work and walk in my ways. God is doing this work in this person's life. He has moved him from being wicked to being a person who's blessed by the initiative of God. And now he's given him his word and he is saturated. This law um, some have debated whether it's talking about the Ten Commandments um, or just the books of Moses. I believe that as the writers were writing, they were probably thinking about the first five books of Moses. But I believe that as the ultimate writer, the Holy Spirit, when he talks about us meditating on his law, I believe he's talking about us meditating on the scriptures. Old and New Testament. Meditating on these scriptures and rolling them around in our minds and our hearts. So, so, so I wonder, uh, what, what do you meditate on? Do you actually delight in God's word? I had talked about learning God and then loving God and then living like God. But that loving element comes from learning about God. I had a friend ask me this week about, is, it, is this just a duty? How do we move from duty to delight? And I think we move from drudgery to duty to delight. Drudgery in the fact that I don't want to do this. To duty, I really need to do this. To delight as I spend time in it. And the Holy Spirit starts talking to you deeply. I think it moves to a level of delight in life. As you reflect upon this, as you turn this over in your mind, as you ponder it, as you do this on an ongoing basis, not just for five minutes in the morning, but it says all day, every day, you're making scripture the central focus of your life, and God says it will not come back void. Amen. It will bring about the blessing. 
One, one pastor uh, had this quote. He says, our Christian lives will grow in direct proportion to the intake of God's work. Our Christian lives will grow in direct proportion to our intake of God's word. And, and the reality is that some of us don't spend any time in God's word. Um, we, I like actually having my Bible. I mean, I'm not trying to pick on the electronic Bibles today, but I like to be able to hold the paper in my hand. I love to be able to write my notes in it. I love to have my own journal um, that I can take this in deeply. I, I think it's so important to be able to roll this around. Well, the, th- the fourth element I want you to consider is, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry? Sure. Is it sequential in the fact that he's delighting in his word because he's... I think... I think the delight in God's word comes from the fact that God plants that in our lives as believers, but I think the duty of meditation will lead to greater delight. I think it's circular. So that God has given us a desire for God's word um, by his Holy Spirit. I think I do the duty of meditating, reading it, studying it, meditating it, that produces a delight which will lead me to greater meditation, which will, so I think it's circular. But it's a great question. Okay, uh, the fourth element, he's separated from this world. He has been satisfied. He's, he's fully saturated. Oh, I forgot to give my pickle illustration. Let me do that real quick. Um, I love pickles. I was actually going to bring a pickle here tonight, but a pickle is just simply a cucumber, right? But it's a cucumber in a different way, right? So let's say I've got this vinegar mix, and I take a cucumber and I dip it in for a couple of seconds. Do I have a pickle? No. I have a, I have a wet cucumber. I have a wet cucumber. And when the storms of life come, what happens? When the storm comes or you rinse off that cucumber, what happens? You still got a cucumber. Now, what happens if I drop that cucumber in for days? And so what now happens is that, that the vinegar mix starts to invade. And so now you've turned this cucumber into a pickle. Oh, man. I love pickles. I got, I got the kids' attention. Praise the Lord. I want you to think about, I don't want you just to be a wet cucumber. I want you to be a saturated pickle. <laughs> And the, and, and the only way that's going to happen is that you have to drop deep into, into God's Word. Okay. The fourth thing I want you to think about is that they're secure. They're secure. The, the, this blessed person is secure, and I, I find this in verses 3, and um, it says this, he or she... I should say all of these he's can be translated she as well. Um, This is the blessed believer. Um, He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And all that he does prospers. Um, When you think of a tree, you think of a tree that is usually firmly planted. It usually has deep roots. Um, 
and you will see trees that oftentimes will go through storms and they will go back and forth and you could see them going back and forth. Every once in a while, a tree will go down. But for the most part, most of these trees stand firm because their roots are deep. And so I want you to think of the fact that you are a tree firmly planted. In, in Jeremiah chapter 17, if you get a chance this week, go through that passage, verses 5 through 10. It talks about two different types of trees. It talks about a tree that is like a shrub in the desert and has no fruitfulness. It's not flourishing. The sun comes on that tree and it, it's withering. And then it talks about a second tree, and I think it's getting this element from Psalm 1, um, the second tree that's planted by the stream. It doesn't fear when the, storm, when the sun comes because it is constantly being nourished. So I want you to think of your life as starting out, because all of us started out like this shrub in the desert, dead. And what God did for us is he transplanted us. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did was he took that shrub in the desert, he took you up and he planted you in his son. And right next to this stream, this constant stream, this never-ending stream of grace, God's grace to sustain you, God's grace to secure you, God's grace to sanctify you, God's grace to change you, he transplanted you and now you went from no fruit to fruitfulness. You went from dead and wilted to living. You went from the wilderness to the stream. And this stream is plural. It's, it's abundant streams. This stream will never, ever, ever end. No matter the struggles that you're going through, no matter the difficulties, you are firmly secure in Christ. Abundant supply. Jesus says, I have come to give them life and life to the what? Abundant. Abundant life or full life. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. My cup, Psalm 23, my cup runs over. That's the grace that God wants to give you. I want you to hear that. He talks about that your, your leaves are constantly green. That there is, this is not the typical tree. There is, I, I love the changes of seasons in the Northeast, but but if you really think about it, the changes of seasons in the Northeast are all about death. A, a, a leaf that was vibrant, green, months ago, is now turning brown, turning orange. It's going to fall off, and it's going to be burned up. And so those beautiful changes of the seasons are all focusing on death. What we want is a tree that is never going to change colors. It's going to ever stay green and it's always going to be producing fruit in the life. That is the blessed person. That blessed person can go through any challenge and find themselves comforted by God, any adversity, and still find themselves prospering in God. This vibrant life, this full life. And it says in all he does. It doesn't just say that you're vibrant, but in all he does, in school, in work, in everything he does, he prospers. Not material prosperity, that's what the people today will say. This is a spiritual prosperity, this internal blessedness, this peace, this joy, this hope that is so deep. It's yours if you're in Christ. Okay, I spent a lot of time on blessed. Let's talk about the wicked. Verse 4. 
The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. You know, sometimes we are afraid. I had someone say to me that they were um, afraid to speak up about the gospel um, at somebody's deathbed. And they were afraid of the fact that they were going to evangelize and that this person was not going to accept it. And so they let the pleasure of man or man-pleasing issues, fear of man, to get in their way, and they didn't tell the gospel to the person. Um, When we read the scriptures, the scriptures don't have any fear of man. Um, They will just tell you like it is. And it says, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff. Now, we don't have this in our culture as much today, but what they would have is the grain would be um, put um, on the threshing floor. The threshing floor would be the highest place in your, in your land. And you would have this floor and you would um, slam the wheat against the floor or you would have animals walk over that. And what you're looking to try to do is to shepar- separate the outer shell from the wheat. And then what they would do on this threshing floor is they would get something like a, a rake or a shovel and they would throw the um, wheat up in the air and what would happen is that the chaff would blow away because there's no substance, there's no depth, there's no vitality. It would blow away and then the heavier grain would fall to the ground. That is the symbol of the non-believer, the unconverted person. It's barren in their sin. Um, There's no fruitfulness in their lives. Uh, This chaff is empty. It has no value. It has no meaning. It has no purpose. Um, And what the writer is saying is that the wicked are that way. That the richest people in this world, and you could look at the Forbes magazine, and you could look at uh, the top um, people in this world with all the materialism and all the things that they have. I could look at Hollywood and look at some of their um, programs and their awards things, and they, they can come across, and they're so beautiful externally, and they have so many fancy things, but their lives are meaningless, fruitless, and it will be blown away like that. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff. And he says, finally, verses 5 and 6, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Now, don't mistake this. It is not saying that the wicked will not stand before the judgment seat. It just means that they will not stand in judgment. They will appear before God. They will not be able to stand approved They will not be able to stand accepted. They will not be able to stand as righteous in his sight. They are going to stand under the judgment of God, but not in the pleasure of God. So the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. That that at that time they're going to God is Christ is going to separate those that are blessed versus those that are not, and those that are not are not going to be able to be in the congregation of the righteous. There's something here in verse 6 that really jumps out at me. It says, but the Lord knows. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. I want you to know that God knows you. You may come to our church, and we've got hundreds of people that come here, and, and you may go to your work, and you may be just thinking that you're a number in this world, but God knows you. He knows the struggles. He knows the struggles that you have. He knows the pains that you have. He knows the fears that you have. He knows the way of the righteous. But the wicked, he 
does not know and they will perish. This word perish is harsh. This is eternal damnation. Um, I was talking with a friend the other day and they were asking, why doesn't God just annihilate people? And, 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 this, and this friend struggles with people mistreating them and they get very angry. And I, I said, I want you to think about this. You get angry at the slights that are done to you. Some of them are pretty bad, but they're just slights, one sinner to another. I want you to think of a, a holy God who's given you everything that you ever uh, have, who's never done anything wrong to you, and every sin that you've ever committed against him is going against his glory over and over. And every human being that's ever lived has done that. And they have, they have gone against the eternal glory of God, and that is worthy of eternal judgment against him. And in spite of that, this psalm is there to say, God is offering grace. God is saying that there are two people, but you can today repent. You're called to repent and believe. That those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one will come to the Father but by me. The beautiful grace of God, yes, by his initiative that he gives us, but we are called to respond. So today, I, I, I pray that as you, as you think about this psalm and as you allow it to run around in your mind, I want you to think about ways that you can personalize this psalm. So let's pray here. Father, as we, as we look at Psalm 1, the blessed person. The blessed person has separated themselves in some ways from the world. That they live in the world, and many of us are going to go to work tomorrow in the world, but they are not of the world. Father, help us to, to be those type of people. Father, not only that, they are um, saturated um, by your word. Lord, it's not enough just to, to dip our toe into your word. We need to jump in and, and like a long, hot bath, like under the waterfall of your grace, pour your grace upon us, Lord. But Father, it's not only that, we are secure in you. We have been uprooted and transplanted from the wilderness to the streams of living water. Father, help us to know that the fruitfulness that we have is, is, is because of your son. He's, he's producing life in us. As Galatians says, we've been crucified with Christ. We don't live, but Christ lives in us. And the life we now live, we live by faith in the son of God who loves us and gave himself for us. Father, as we, as we think about this passage as well, help us to think of the neighbors and our family members and our co-workers and the people that we will rub shoulders with even in the next couple of days, the person that pumps our gas, the, the person at the cash register. Um, Father, I hear this morning of one even in our congregation that was drawn to faith um, today. We praise you for that. And Father, I pray that we would be a gospel witness out to the world because there is a broad path that is leading to destruction and many are on it. So Father, help us to uh, be so thankful for the fact that you know us and that we know you. So help us to get to know you even more and learn about you and love you and live like you for the glory and honor of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, blessings. Thanks again. 
This has been Lessons for Life with James Long Jr. We hope you've been blessed. For more information, go to jameslongjr.org.